welcome to another episode of the Foresight Active Advantage podcast series. With me today is a very special guest, David Paradise, the founder of Paradise Investment Management, a firm that he began in 1999. Paradise Investment Management invests in equities around the world with offices in Australia and the United States. As a team of 50 people and approximately $19 billion in funds under management. David, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much for having me. Nice to be here. Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, many of our listeners will know who you are because you're kind of Australian equity royalty in a way. I wouldn't say that. But... Well, I can say that. I can say that. You can say that, but I wouldn't. <laughs> okay. So, but for those that don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got your start. Um, so I grew up in Skyland Valley and then um, basically started this job as a, uh, I suppose I started, actually, I was a Pete Marwick initially as an accountant. I got to learn the basic accounting skills and, and also balance sheet in, in uh, P&L skills. Um, I always always had an interest in finance and, and just the way businesses work. I just can't help myself. It's, uh, I just love talking about people, about companies about how so uh, I then, after I did uh, my profession, became qualified as accountant at Pete Marwick. I left. I uh, then started as a as a stockbroker for a while. Then I went to uh, as a strategy consultant, and then I went to funds management. And then I started this business up in two uh, yeah two uh, I got the first money on the sixth of March, two thousand. So what was it like beginning uh, during the peak, almost the peak of the tech bubble? Very nerve-wracking. So, uh, yeah, I got the money, the first $30 million that we managed. It was a small capital portfolio from REST, who have been a great supporter of ours over years and a great, uh, a great super fund. We um, so got the first $30 million and uh, I think it was the beginning of the end of the tech run, but the first three months up until around about April, uh, May, May, June, you know, June, July, the equity market had been motoring and all the technology stocks had been motoring. And uh, it was super stressful for me because I was underperforming. And that first period is very significant when you start up to show people that you can deliver uh, performance and people are watching you and you uh, and the rest was obviously keeping a good eye on me and all the consultants are keeping a good eye on me. I remember one day, Lying in bed and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm three percent behind benchmark, which is quite significant, and a few months. And I got up, I couldn't sleep, so I got up at four o'clock, went for a run. I was pouring with rain. Uh, I ran around Chatswood Golf Course, and I realised that I'd got my decimal points mixed up, and I was only thirty basis points. So I was pretty excited about that. <laughs> and so the first period, the first first. Uh, Four or five months was, was super, super, super stressful. But what happened was we, we kept basing our investment decisions on fundamentals and uh, we ended up, you know, the, the tech wrap coming in uh, and we did really well in that first year and we were up quite considerably against Benchmark and, you know, allowed us to to then uh, other people started backing us and, uh yeah, we ended up doing quite well, but the first period was super, super difficult, especially given, um, you know, we were 
I had I did, had not actually put any money aside myself and had a mortgage. And, uh, the uh, fund was losing, the actual business was losing money. So it was stressful, but uh, uh, I actually, I actually, looking back in hindsight, it was a good lesson for me. Well, not a good lesson, but it was a good thing to go through. What do you think were the key takeaways that you you learned during that period? Um, stick to fundamentals. If you believe in your ability and the ability to be able to pick stocks, don't uh, change that. Don't have any style drift. And I don't, you know, either got ways to pick particular stocks, looking at cash flows, looking at their present values, looking at looking at the businesses, noise management, dark management. So, you know, if you continue to stick to the fundamentals, then uh, you know, uh, you know, you, you it'll shine through. You'll get these equity markets where they are quite speculative. Um, but you need to be able to, uh, I suppose, evolve in your thinking, uh, but not stray away from the fundamentals that, that make a good investment. Now, some of our viewers may not be familiar with uh, the Australian funds management marketplace back in the late 90s, early 2000s, because today we have hundreds of boutiques and there's you know, lots of people starting new ones. But back then, uh, there wouldn't have been too many people doing what you were doing. It would have been quite new, wouldn't it? Yeah, so no, I was one of, we, we were one of the first. There weren't that many that started by then. And in fact, over the first couple of years, there were some that started and some that didn't work out, a lot that didn't work out. And it's about being consistent about what you do and all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was largely big, big um, institutions, maybe. Part of banks like National Mutual had a big investment. Uh, sorry, part of insurance companies. So, insurance company had investment arm, and they were usually significant investors, as were some of the banks. So, it was a, a different marketplace. A lot of the like state authority superannuation board, and a lot of those, uh, the New South government pension plans, are big and they're still big actually. But insurance is not so big anymore uh, on the investment side. They don't have investment teams. And I think what happened was over a period of time that a lot of the individuals felt that they can branch out, um, you know, do, do, do their own thing. And if you believe in yourself and have a go, which I did. Definitely. And I think it, it takes a certain kind of uh, person, a certain kind of mindset to do that because, you know, as you brought out a lot of stress early on, you know, you're, you're putting a maximum skin in the game. Everything sort of rests on you and your numbers. And ultimately, that can be very rewarding, but it's also tough. And I, I guess it's not for everybody to put themselves under that kind of pressure early on. Yeah, no, it's a lot of risk. It's not more of masses amounts of pressure. Uh, so when, when we won our first money and have so even to this day, people say, oh, congratulations. I said, don't congratulate me. Congratulate me in five years when we've delivered performance. And even upwards of $19, $20 billion, I still feel, feel the same. You know, and, uh, you know, people say to me, well, you know, we've got some money for you to manage. And I say, you know, if I think the market is is not great, then I will encourage them not, not to invest, even though I think we can outperform. We did look at setting up our global small cap operation back in 2007 when GFC was going on. And, uh, 
you know, there was a lot of money around and they weren't, which they would, people were going to give us. But I just felt the market was not right. And so we, we didn't do it at that particular time and that was the right thing to do. And we waited till we felt that there was uh, movement upwards in the equity market to do it. But there is a lot of pressure and you take it home every day because you're managing people's money and you're in positions. It's not like if you're part of a transactional thing, like if you're a stockbroker buying and selling shares and you make, make money off that. Um, with equity management, you are, you've got a lot of responsibility. You're, you're responsible for a lot of people's superannuation. And, and one of the pleasing things that we do is that we do look after a lot of the big pension plans. So, like I said, REST, one of the biggest employee, one of the biggest member uh, super funds in Australia. And uh, it's great to be able to try and do well for a lot of the, the broader masses out there, the people out there. And we do that by managing money, keep managing money for these big super funds, which then obviously collect the money from these guys. And uh, it's, it's stressful because you want to do the right thing by the man on the street. So if, if you look back now over your career as, a, as an accountant, a consultant, an analyst, a business owner, a fund manager, a philanthropist, a board member, you know, it, was, it was a very wide and interesting variety of roles. What do you think have been some of the, the key, key learnings, the key takeaways for you across all of mm-hmm. that? Um, don't take shortcuts, you know. Uh, so just, as, a, as an example, this is probably a really good example. Uh, when I was fresh out of school, I was at, you know, at Pete Marley, I was making $9,000 a year. And then I used to see a whole lot of guys I went to school with and that would come from the country. They were going and they were being money market. This is back in the years when they had money market dealers and they were making 120000 living a pretty good life and I was so tempted to get away from where I was at Pete Marwick learning about the basics of businesses and industry and go for the fast money. Uh, but I, I I didn't do that and um, I think I probably did do that when I was an analyst with a broking firm and I went and worked for uh, another broking firm to be a stockbroker like as a dealer and uh, I went there because they you got a percentage of the Brokerage should be right, but then I'm losing my job, right? So, this, this, <laughs> so I kind of like steered off for a little while, but come back on again, straight and narrow. But no, it's about not taking shortcuts. It is about doing um, the right thing by by people. And you're right, I do a lot of philanthropic stuff. And, you know, one of the things I, I support is this thing called primary ethics, which is about teaching um, children at primary schools. Uh, about the difference between doing right and wrong, and uh, and so I think it's really important uh, that, that everybody does that. You know, that you are passionate about what you do, and that you continue to do do what is right. I think by the broader, broader community and everybody around you. Well, I think there's some great advice there. David Paradise, thank you very much for joining us on the Foresight Active Investment Podcast. Podcast is for informational purposes only. It does not constitute financial advice, 
or take into account the particular investment objectives, financial situations, or needs of individual listeners. Listeners should consider whether any opinions or recommendations in this podcast are suitable for their particular circumstances, and if appropriate, seek professional advice, including tax advice.